Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Debunking Economics Podcast with Professor Steve Keen. I'm Phil Dobby. And today there's trouble brewing in Italy. There's a massive flight from Italian government bonds as the country is set to head back for another emergency election. So is this the Maastricht Treaty finally getting its comeuppance? That's what we ask today on the Debunking Economics Podcast with Professor Steve Keen. Well, as we are recording this, Italy is in meltdown. People can't get rid of their Italian government bonds fast enough, which means they've uh, seen the price drop. And, of course, that pushes up the yield. Uh, normally, the yield on government bonds moves at best a few basis points in a day, maybe seven or eight hour push. But in one day, Italian two-year government bond yields rose 190 basis points. Why? Well, because it looks like the Populist League and five-star parties can't form the government they wanted to form. The president has vetoed their choice of prime minister and finance minister. Uh, but he's put a classic monetarist into the role. The parties are threatening to impeach the president. And it looks like they're going to be going to the polls as soon as July, with the populist parties gaining more support in the opinion polls. So, Steve... I know you're going to say I told you so, so I'm going to let you do that. Uh, but also, tell us why this is happening. Okay. Well, actually, I said them first when I wrote the first edition of Debunking Economics, and I described the Maastricht Treaty. That was back in 2000, 2001, so it's just after the euro began. And I described the Maastricht Treaty as a collective suicide note by the countries of Europe. And uh, I can't say I was the first person to make a criticism like that because two diametrically opposed economists uh, made such the, much the same argument. The, the, my favourite is Wynne Godley, who uh, was the, the father of the whole uh, modern post-Keynesian approach to economic modelling called Stockflow Consistent Modelling. And uh, writing back in 1992, literally as they were trying the ink on the Maastricht Treaty, he wrote a wonderful paper, which is still available. Uh, you can get it from the London Review of Books. It's called Maastricht and all that. And at the end of it, he says that if you, if you give up the opportunity to devalue a currency, which is what you do by forming a currency union like the euro, uh, and you don't have uh, a, a nation-state-level treasury, uh, like a, a European-level treasury, mm. enabling taxes and spending to, to balance out what happens with flows of goods and services and money and ordinary transactions, then there is nothing... And, and you also enforce the, the, the austerity rules of the, of the euro, which won't let a country spend more than 3% of GDP is, is, is in excess of government spending over over taxation revenue, so there is nothing to stop a region suffering a process of terminal decline, leading in the end to immigration, uh, to, to uh, immigration as the only alternative to poverty or starvation. Which is what now, we've been seeing in Greece, of course. We've been seeing massive emigration from Greece, and yet no one seems to yeah, talk about it too much. That's right. I mean, they're ignoring the fact that people, the only way to survive with what the European Union is doing to um, the deficit, internal deficit, trade deficit countries within Europe, uh, is pe people are leaving. Mm. It's depopulation. I was actually, it's not just in the actual existing EU. I was in Croatia about a year ago and was driven from Zagreb down to uh, Pula by my uh, the people who invited me to speak there. 
and we were going through village after village and they were saying these villages are empty now mm. and i said what's going on so the activity has collapsed and people have just emigrated they left the country so um, the whole impact of trying to impose what the european union believed was sound finance is the the depopulation of uh, of large parts of Europe. So and it's and it is the the problem being a half pregnant cow with the euro, isn't it? I mean, we haven't gone all the way of uh, the United States um where it really is a United States and you have a, a, a central bank and a, and a government working hand in hand to to try and deal with the, the tools they have available. Here you've got a whole load of disparate gov- uh, governments with only uh, limited access to those tools and a, and a central bank, which possibly, dare I say, it might be a little bit uh, German and France-focused. That's the trouble. I mean, uh, because because the whole focus of... You've got to look at the history of Germany. And, of course, whenever anybody talks about uh, what, what I see as genuinely sound finance, you get the, what about the Weimar Republic line? Well, that scarred German, Germany's collective memory so so heavily that they are terrified about inflation and do anything to try to prevent it. And part of it uh, was was the idea uh, that governments should basically live within their means, that whole idea which you'll find in England as well, of course. Mm. And that meant they were trying to restrict government spending. Now, what they did with it was restrict the creation of money by governments and leaving it only to the, to the private sector. So it was it was a recipe for a private debt bubble which burst uh, when the global financial crisis came down in Italy, in Spain, and virtually everywhere else, uh, where, where, where private money creation made up for the absence of government money creation, and it's been a catastrophe. So, if Italy uh, wasn't part of Europe now, what would they be? What would they be doing if they saw that the economy just wasn't growing, wasn't keeping up, that there was rising uh, unemployment, uh, people weren't buying stuff? What would be the reaction of the Italian government? How how would they get out of this mess if they weren't bound to the euro? Well, they'd simply they'd simply have an increase in government spending because of uh, an increasing unemployment level of unemployment. They'd have a decrease in taxation because of fallen profits. Uh, they'd have to issue more bonds to finance that, which the Central Bank of Italy would then uh, they'd be sold to the financial sector in Italy. Uh, it, and then if the if the Central Bank bought those bonds off the financial sector and open market operations, that would create additional money. Uh, the normal story ends up being that just by the whole process of open market operations in America, for example, for the last 120 years, uh, on average, the government deficit's been 2.4% of GDP. Mm. Um, and it would just create the additional money which would circulate in the economy. And uh, so this, 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 in fact, there is no downturn. There is no crisis uh, that, that preceded this. The crisis is preceded by the money, is caused by the monetary system itself this time around. But yeah, it would just be a normal, you know, a normal um, uh, operation. The, the, what Keynes is called the automatic stabilizers would be kicking in yeah. and we we would we wouldn't be talking about Italy. Yeah. Uh, put, put simply if if private spending is down you increase uh, public spending and then when uh, things kick in you can start to turn it back a little bit. You can't uh, yeah. yeah. You can't turn both down at the same time. Yeah, and that's what unfortunately what what the uh, what the Maastricht Treaty actually requires uh, mm. the countries to do when the private sector turns down then the government deficit rises and the Maastricht Treaty requires you to cut the government deficit which means private spending has fallen and the Maastricht Treaty forces you to reduce government spending as well. And duh, 
the economy declines. And this is this is this is the fallacy of so-called sound finance. So Italy can issue bonds. Well, they do issue bonds. So they do issue their own debt. Um, uh, but the ECB has to. Well, I, I, if they issue debt, it gets bought. It either gets bought by private investors or it gets bought uh, by the European Central Bank. Now, the European uh, Central Bank is not going to buy bonds if they see too much of it being issued and it's not meeting their stipulations. And I guess that's that's part of the problem, isn't it? It's sort of stopping them from issuing those bonds now. Yeah, I mean, because at the moment, the only only thing that the, uh, the the ECB is only required to buy government bonds if the conditions of the Maastricht Treaty are met. Yeah, and those conditions include private government debt being less than sixty percent of GDP, and the deficit being in a particular year being less than three percent of GDP. Now, of what you know, what's happened with the crisis is is that Italy's after the financial crisis hit. That deficit's been as high as 15% of GDP, and that's simply because tax revenues plunge during a downturn and government spending rises. So the ECB was under no obligation to buy more than 3% of GDP worth when they were issuing 15% of GDP worth, and that's why you had these astronomical valuations for the... No, not valuations, but the astronomical interest rates on the bonds. And that Draghi came in and said, it'll do whatever it takes, which means he would actually go beyond... The legal mandate he has, and buy whatever's necessary to reduce the bond prices. That's what stopped the crisis last time round. So the only way the crisis was prevented, back when it hit in you know, what, I think 2012 or thereabouts, was Draghi saying, "I'm not going to abide by those rules." Now nobody said, "Oh, you naughty Draghi, we've got to go and take you and cane you." Um, uh, so when it's when it suits the European authorities to try to hang on to the, the, the euro, mm. they will break the rules of the euro. And in fact, they broke the rules of the euro in the very first place by allowing Italy in, because unlike Greece, which had a lot of help, I think with Goldman Sachs, to hide the amount of debt that it had, um, um, everybody knew that you know, Greece, uh, Italy's level of government debt when the crisis began was about 110% of GDP. So even though the rule said it must be below 60% and must have a 3% ceiling, right from the outset, Italy didn't meet those rules and nothing was done. Mm. between 2000 and 2007. Um, so it just shows that the whole thing is more of a political um, system than an economic one, yeah. driven by the so-called political imperative to unite Europe to stop wars occurring. But I think it's uniting Europe and causing wars, ultimately. So when um, when you have a, a, a just that, when you have politics driving uh, the, the, the finance markets, I mean, it tends to have a, a sort of like quite a big reaction, which is what we've seen uh, this week. And then things moderate. And sort of like, uh, you know, we had that, uh, as I say, one day in which uh, bond yields increased 190 basis points, which I think is the most that's happened in 25 years. Um, but then the next day, you know, the, the price of two-year bonds uh, or notes uh, picks up again. The, oh, there's always bargain hunters. The Italian debt office is selling off another 6 billion euros um, of five- and ten-year bonds. People are buying them, presumably. Otherwise, they wouldn't be issuing them. So they can't be that concerned. I mean, is it, is it one of these things that, you know, is perhaps a storm in a teacup? It, you know, it looks bad, but then it's sort of the, the market somehow moderate it and they muddle through somehow? Or is this the start of something big? I think it's the start of something big. But let's actually just clarify that thing about the increase in, 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 the, in the rates. I'm looking at the Bloomberg uh, yield on two-year debt in Italy right now. Mm. And the yield, the, the, the level that it rose from, if we go back to May, the level of... of uh, of yield on two-year debt. I'm not sure whether this is nominal or real. I think it's actually nominal. They've been sent it by a friend from a Bloomberg terminal. The level in May was minus 0.2%. Mm. 
So, okay, so the market, the, the price of the bonds, was, the bonds were selling above face value, meaning that the yield nominally was negative. Now, then it hit, uh, it hit zero in, uh, by the looks of it, late May, uh, mid-May, and then after this crisis has risen to 2%. But 2% in historical terms uh, is a very, very low rate of interest. In fact, 2% <coughs> because it's actually the nominal yield, so it's got to be yeah. uh, not including the effective inflation. That means the real cost of debt is still pretty close to zero. <coughs> Pardon me. <coughs> Pardon me, sorry about that. Um, so the real cost of debt is about, is about zero right now. So even though it's a dramatic escalation, uh, it's dramatic from almost as, as, actually a negative position, mm. just a matter of of, uh, of a week ago. Right, and a so yield that is still actually well below what you'd pay for bonds in the United States, of course. Yeah, I think we should about ring about 2.8%. Yeah, That's right. Yeah, so it's, it, it hasn't hit anything like crisis. You know, oh, crisis has risen by this much. Yeah, from what level? Mm. I actually had an interesting conversation with a mathematician yesterday uh, in Goldman Sachs who said he was being hauled over the coals for... Um, for baking, getting disastrously bad returns. And he then, uh, first of all, he told his boss how to expand the columns on the spreadsheet to see what the what the hash sign steps were for. And then it turned out that his target was actually negative and he was getting a positive return. So uh, this, this is a bit similar on that front. So, no, I mean, so it's, it's all of that points to the question, you know, does it, is it, is it a storm in a teacup then? Is it, is it just a sort of like, you know, the, the yields were very low. They've, they've reached sort of the proportions where they're getting a bit closer to where they are in, in other parts of the world. Um, and, you know, they go back, they have another election. The election is, you know, sort of like, again, sort of like a hung government. Uh, um, and, you know, they, they, as I say, muddled through somehow without necessarily pulling out of the euro and causing the catastrophe that would follow on from that? Uh, potentially. I mean, I, I think the, the interesting thing is that, uh, and Giannis Varoufakis made a similar point to me in his blog a couple of days ago, this is massively overplaying the hand by the, uh, by the, by the president of Italy because, first of all, uh, it, it, yes, on Monday we were saying that... Um, I've seen some conspiracy theories saying maybe the um, and I'm not against the fact people try conspiracies whether they work or not is another story uh, but maybe uh, the reason that, that um, Five Star and the league put forward Savona so is it Savona yeah. as the uh, as the candidate for finance minister was to provoke this outcome yeah uh, well the trouble with that is that yes okay that might be argued but they didn't require Mattarella uh, who's the the president I'm going to keep on checking my names here yeah you're right to on a that. point yeah. Uh, to a point, what's his name? The um, Mr. Scissors. Um, is it Sanos uh, or Cotterelli? Oh, Cotterelli. Yeah, Cotter- sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so now, they there's no way that Five Star could have compelled uh, Mattarella to have the idea of, of offering the president the prime ministership to Cotterelli, mm. who was notorious for yeah. cutting back spending uh, in back in 2000 and, and uh, I think it's 12, 13. Um, literally, only they have Mr. Scissors. He's not the only other economist in Italy. Yeah. So even even if even if Five Star was setting it up, what Matter, what Maduro has done is the ex- extreme idea of saying, yes, we know you all voted to end austerity and to uh, loosen the shackles of the euro. So I'm appointing somebody who wants to impose austerity and maintain the euro. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, a, that's almost a, that's almost as he's working on their side. I mean, yeah, you, you're looking yeah. at conspiracy theories because yeah, it's like saying, well, let's give you the worst possible um, uh, antidote to what you've asked for, and we'll give you a chance to vote on it in a, in, uh, in yeah. less than two months, so you can see what it's like in the meantime. Uh, hence, know, yeah. hence, we are <laughs> seeing the the league and five star in the polls. They are increasing their lead. They've got over uh, between them now, well over sixty percent, and right 
rising. Uh, yeah. So they're going to be in a position where they they clearly form a, a majority um, coalition government. And yeah. they will up the ante, presumably. They'll say, well, we were trying to moderate things last time, but now we're going yeah. to up the ante and we're going to say, yeah, damn it, we want to be out of the euro. Yeah, and I think this is uh, quite, quite a danger because, I mean, particularly since Cottarelli initially believed he could actually be a caretaker uh, prime minister and put forward a budget, which is based on his ideas, which are entirely about the need to cut government spending, and get it passed by a parliament where there was already a majority of Five Star and the League against him. Uh, now he's actually realised there's so, so little prospect of him actually um, being you know, accepted by Parliament. He'll be voted down straight away. I think he's... But, but the most latest news is that he decided not even to, to nominate or go ahead or to just be a caretaker and call instant uh, elections, which will be in July. And as you say, uh, with July, we're only talking uh, barely more than two... less than two months. Mm. Um, I, I can see the European uh, authorities... And the, um, the the sort of centre opponents in Italy going all out to try to throw as much mud as they can at Five Star and the League, and there's plenty of mud that's stick in terms of the League's racist policies about migration and so on. Uh, but none of that is likely to turn the electorate in that length of time. So what is going to come back? The League and the Five Star, if they stay together in the next six weeks, and again I can see the uh, the centre powers trying to undermine their coalition. Uh, they can be power, they'll have a massive majority, probably one of the highest in the history of Italy, I imagine. Um, and they will then have, they're able to impeach the prime, the, the president if he hasn't already been impeached. Uh, so that he'll go. Uh, Cotterelli won't be there anymore. Uh, they'll probably, they'll have to appoint, I, I mentioned that I'm not sure, but I presume the parliament uh, originally elects a new president. They'll elect somebody who's compatible with them. Uh, it's, it's a huge miscalculation by uh, by the uh, by the by the pro euro forces but if they get what they want if they try and pull out of the euro i mean then nobody is going to want to buy their bonds well because there'll be bonds in euros and they're going to say well that's going to be worthless when that currency when you're not using that currency anymore um and and obviously the ecb is not going to be supporting them because they're saying well you're leaving anyway and in any case you're not following you're not adhering to our rules so how is well, the, I, isn't isn't there a danger the countries are going to become bankrupt in this process that's a possibility, but I think more likely what they 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 they, they have said. Uh, I mean, what you have with their nominee again, Savona, the nominee nominee for the finance minister, uh, is that you, you, he always been critical of the euro, and as I said, he's got you know he's he's got support in terms of economic theory from Wynne Godley at one extreme to Milton Friedman at the other. Both of them said the euro should never be formed. So he's simply saying something which is sensible, but it goes against the political consensus of the powers that be in, in Europe. Um, but what he's, what he's put forward, I'm not sure if it's his actually proposal or it's come from somebody else, but the idea of what they call mini bots. And bots are uh, ordinary treasury bonds, which are the, um, that's how they translate BOT, ordinary, means ordinary treasury bonds, which are short-term public securities that are currently issued by the Italian government. Uh, he's going to issue what he called mini bots, worth between one euro and 500 euros to people who are owed a tax return. And when they get that mini bot, it is not legal tender. It is not something you have to accept. If somebody offers you that for a cappuccino, you can say, no, I want euro. 
but uh, it can be it will be used uh, you can buy train tickets because the train system of course in Italy is government owned mm. there are government owned pet- petrol stations you can pay taxes with it you could pay local so it's uh, like rates, a government cetera, IOU to be used on government services in effect and, and the last person to do this on any particular scale was that well known uh, ra- radical revolutionary Arnie Schwarzenegger <laughs> right because when Arnie was re- what Republican um, uh, governor of California during the crisis because California is effectively uh, it's a state of America. It can't issue its own money. It did run out of its own state tax revenues, and he started paying his workers, his state workers, in a certificate, which is like an IOU will pay you later type thing. Uh, as a ta- within this, this can be used to pay your Californian taxes, and that worked okay for a while. So what Savona is proposing is the same sort of thing. And fundamentally, what this means is you have a second, actually a third source of creating something you can use for transactions, which is roughly speaking money. Mm. Uh, because at the moment, there's only three ways you can create money. One is by the, in, in terms of Italy's own realm, by the government spending more than it gets back in taxes, but the euro cuts that particular option out, so that's gone. You can buy money from the banks, and that's what they did when the euro first came in. There was a massive increase in private debt that began literally as soon as the euro came into existence, because without government money creation, just for the, the nature of needing money, expanding money supply to support expanding transactions, America, Italian companies and Italian households began to borrow from banks in ways they hadn't been doing for the previous 30 years. So that increases money, but equally, it increases your debt as well. It's not like government money where you get paid government money, you don't have a liability to pay it back. When you get money from a bank, you have got a liability to pay it back. That doesn't particularly work. So Italy's been strangled for money by the euro for the last two decades. And what's the mini BOT would give another form of, of a way of making transactions, mm. which is not based on debt. So if you get a mini bot, it's, it's, it's your, that increases your equity. You don't lose, uh, you, when, you, when you get money from a bank, your, your assets go up with the bank account, but your liabilities go up with the debt you owe the bank. You don't, you, it's a zero net game for you. But if you get, if you, if you owe taxes by the, you know, if you've, you've paid more tax and paid your own system than you actually owe, uh, then what, what they'll do, rather than giving you a euro uh, to pay back your back, they'll give you mini-bots so the state can do it more easily. Mm-hmm. And then those mini-bots can be used for a whole range of transactions. Effectively, it's creating an efficient means for transactions. Uh, now, of course, it won't necessarily sell at the same rate. But it'll be issued on a one-for-one basis when they do issue them. But it will enable Italians to spend and this is the real problem of the euro, is it stopped them spending. Yeah, yeah. And duh, as a result, the economy has barely grown in terms of usual growth rates of capitalist economies for 20 years. It's 9% bigger than it was in 1999, whereas uh, England, it's hardly an exemplar of, of, a, of, a, of a vibrant economy, of course. England's grown 44%. Mm. So it's been the strangulation, but the mini-bots could stop it without them having to leave the euro. So I think what they'll first do is go for the mini-bot route. They will not say we're abolishing the euro. Right. And could, I mean, you, you could extend that presumably as well, couldn't you? I mean, not just uh, if you've overpaid your taxes and you're getting a, uh, a, a tax rebate. If you're a government worker, presumably, you could get uh, paid in this form as well, couldn't you? That's also possible, yeah. So I think they'll go that route first of all. And, and yeah. in effect, they'll, they'll, leave it with the, they'll leave it with the ECB to retaliate rather than uh, shutting down the ECB directly. And then, I mean, this is, again, Giannis Varoufakis had a similar idea, which he, he, he could have made the decision to pull this weapon. Uh, it's either, I have one of my Patreon colleagues pointed out that I may have got my 
my facts wrong in my review on Amazon, which I published just recently about Alice's book, uh, my recollection was, and I wrote that review just after I read the book, that Yanis is going to default on IMF bonds, and that would trigger a cascade which would undermine the whole ECB program. Um, my correspondent on uh, Patreon said maybe I got that wrong and it was uh, ECB bonds were going to default on. Whichever way it was, there was a threat to default on the bonds and then trigger the European Central Bank to block the use of euro deposits, at which point they would issue a similar authority to the mini-bots to make, allow Greeks to transact with each other. Now, I think in others, what's going to happen with the Italian... And they're going to be the election. They're going to win. There's no... I, I, I cannot see any way other than the five-star in the league being victorious in July and a huge majority being able to come in and say, right, we're doing all these things. Uh, the, the retaliation of the ECB with them say, right, we're shutting down your access to the lending authorities. We're shutting down the the um, the Italian banks if it was using euros. Then the mini-bot would become effectively the only form of money in in Italy, and that may well force... Well, that, uh, them that, to, that then becomes a yeah. transition, transitional step to a lira, doesn't it? Yeah, I so, think so. I think so. So, yeah. I mean, if the idea of these mini bots before this election, I mean, the the uh, the ECB is not going to. I'm presumably, there are you can this can this legally form a, a currency? I wouldn't have thought so under the. Well, no, this, this, the treaty. difference is this, this, this is where if you look at any any bill, most of so this is legal tender for all debts in X territory. Uh, well, this the bots are middle is not legal tender. If, if you are selling something, you're selling. You want to be selling a cappuccino, and your price is three euro, and I give you three euro. You say I'm not going to give you the cappuccino. I say, look, I'm going to call a cop here, and you know, show him that I'm paying you three euro. You've got to give me the cappuccino. Mm. Uh, but if you offer three mini bots, they can say I'm not going to pay it to you. Call the cop. The cop can save his decision. It's an optional extra. But the idea is, once you have a, a form of payment which is accepted across a wide range of areas, then people might accept it as a discount. So with you, you, you might tend to you know, face value 3.5 mini-bots to get a 3-euro three, a three cappuccino. That might happen. Um, so it's not legal tender, and therefore it doesn't breach the monopoly that the, European, the, the euro has on being legal tender Within the within the eurozone, we've been through all of this before, of course, with uh, with with Greece. I mean, Italy, of course, is a far far larger economy than Greece, so it's a so it's a far bigger deal. But Greece sort of um, sort of you know rolled over and said to the ECB, "Yeah, look, you know, we'll 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 do what we're what you ask of us. We'll go through this uh, this whole process of austerity." Uh, you know, a long drawn out affair that's that's still going on. What's to say Italy isn't just going to somehow, for some reason, follow that same approach? Because well, when I, because yeah, they, it comes down to it comes down to people. I, 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 mean, I can't recommend strongly enough people to read Giannis Varoufakis's Adults in the Room. It's an incredible expose, beautifully written as well, uh, of of the whole process, including the breakdown of Syriza. And as part of that, he really fundamentally says that uh, Alexis Cyprus began to suffer from Stockholm syndrome. Mm. Um, you, you, you know, the whole idea that you start you start to believe your imprisoners and torturers are the good people and you're the bad person. Uh, he just basically rolled over and wouldn't do anything without getting Merkel's okay, without realising at the same time Merkel was crushing him. Uh, and then finally, imposes austerity stuff, which of course, when he campaigned, he was exactly the opposite way. That's why Yarnas resigned from the from the part from the party when all that happened. So that's that's Cyprus. Now I must say that I had a few left wing Greek correspondents who wrote to me when the whole um, Syriza thing was rolling, saying, well, don't trust Cyprus. He's, the, he's a, um, 
He's a, a, a PR junkie. He's a, um, uh, a narcissist. And he won't live up to what he's saying. It'll all come and end in tears. Mm. Now, those correspondents turned out being right. And it was Cyprus's decisions. And, of course, the classic point with Cyprus was after um, being given yet another ultimatum, he went back and ran a referendum about whether he should or should not um, succumb to the terms of the um, of the, the European, you know, the tro- Troika's demands. And the answer was, was a very strong no. 60% said no, don't do it. Now, Janus explains in that book, this is something I've heard externally, but I... I wanted to see it verified by him. He, he was absolutely delighted. He was proud of the Greek people having the guts they had to do that. He rushed into Cyprus's room and found the depressed man and depressed staff. They wanted to lose that referendum. They wanted the Greek people to tell them, yes, succumb. Now, even though they said don't, they did succumb. So it comes down to the spine of the people involved. And here, I don't know the leader of, uh, of, of not much about the leaders of, of uh, the five star. I do know... Beppe Grillo, and Beppe Grillo has got spine. He's the person who founded Five Star. And on the other side, you've got a right-wing, uh, you know, uh, separatist movement, as, as the league was. They're likely to stick to their guns as well. Yeah. So I can't see them rolling over the way that Cyprus did. So how would, uh, given that, you know, there's a timetable mapped out now and it's all very quick, how do you think uh, the EU and the ECB are going to react to this? I, I mean, Angela Merkel's not going to take this lying down, is she? No, and uh, she's got enough problems back domestically anyway with the, with the increasing votes for the right back in Germany. So th- this, this, this is you know, the classic things fall apart syndrome, something which never, should never have been created is going through the process of, of breakdown. Uh, they may well decide to loosen the, the constraints. Uh, they could decide, okay, let's just, you know, let's, let's buy all the Italian bonds. Let's promise yeah. behind closed doors, don't tell anybody. Uh, that we're going to back your government bonds no matter what, the, the sort of the the, the, the draggy, whatever, you know, uh, whatever it takes, plea part two. Yeah. They may do that, or they might decide, we're going to bring you to your heels, we're going to shut your banks down now. Yeah. Now, They're um, unlikely to do that, though, are they? I mean, that, that first God approach. Knows. So, God so, knows. So they were, they were talking about ending their QE program, the ECB, in September, or sometime this year anyway. That seems to have gone by the wayside. They were buying a lot of Italian debt. Uh, as it stands, I guess, I mean, the one thing they'll do is they'll say, I mean, because the worst thing in the world would be to say, hey, guess on top of all of this, we're just not going to be buying Italian debt anymore uh, because we're just not buying any government bonds. Um, so I guess they could ramp up that program or extend it. I mean, that might help. Yeah, I think that's probably what they, that, that sounds feasible. But uh, you know, it's much more lively politics than with Greece because mm. you know, if you lose an economy, which is, you know, something in the order of 10 to 15% of the entire European Union, um, uh, game over for the euro, which would be. I mean, everyone, you know, I don't think too many people would be very upset about that, would they? I mean, we. I mean, if we then said we don't have the euro and we just had a common market, then maybe Britain would feel happy about being part of it as well. We never were part of the euro, but as we've we've said before, we have suffered the repercussions of it uh, in in this country. Um, yeah, it was it was the one step too far in the European experiment, wasn't it? A common market's it fine. Wasn't. It's sort of like it a tra- it's a trading block, and there's nothing wrong with that. No, the trading block was fine, and even using the uh, the EQ, yeah, uh, the European currency unit as for a businesses way of to, yeah, exactly for businesses that was to fine. deal with. Yeah. It was going to going to single currency with with with, with no national, no no matching treasury, and with ridiculous limits on government spending. Because so I said, like putting a three percent ceiling, the average for the American economy 
excluding the First and Second World War, for the last 120 years, has been a deficit, an excessive government spending over taxation receipts, of about 2.3%. Mm. So to set a ceiling, which is 25% above, <coughs> pardon me, uh, the historical average of the world's biggest economy, is nonsense. Um, your tolerance span should have been 10% of anything. Now, the only, only way to get out, out of it is to, is to change those rules and allow, say, a government at level of 150% mm. and to allow a deficit of 15%. And then the rules don't even matter and you might be able to get somewhere. Yeah. Uh, but you know, they, they can't hang on to the Maastricht Freddy rules anymore. Right. Yeah, that's a big ask, though, isn't it, to see all that change happening in the in the space of uh, six or seven weeks. I guess the downside out of all of this as well, uh, apart from the fact that a lot of people have obviously lost a lot of money in all of this, uh, but perhaps we shouldn't feel too sorry for for investors. Um, but the but the, the bad news out of all of this is the fact that um, Donald, you know, the euro is going to look pretty sick. The European economy is not going to look too good, uh, and conversely, that's going to help boost the U uh, the US dollar and strengthen the US economy, and it's going to make Donald Trump look good. And aren't we going to hear about that over the next six weeks he'll be taking the credit for the rising us dollar i'm sure yeah all right talk again soon steve thanks for that okay yeah. and next time we ask uh, growth are we kidding ourselves i mean there's this concern now that maybe growth even before uh, the whole thing in italy didn't happen that growth in europe wasn't uh, seeing the sort of growth that we expected and the us also seems to be slowing down a bit now uh, so are we uh, kidding ourselves when we expect that at some point we might actually get up to three or four percent growth in a year and what does it matter if we've got such slow growth i mean D- japan has been trundling along at or below zero for many years now are we a little bit preoccupied with growth. We'll look at all of that next time on the Debunking Economics podcast with Professor Steve Keen. I'm Phil Dobby. Thanks for listening. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. If you've enjoyed listening to Debunking Economics, uh, even if you haven't, you might also enjoy the Y Curve. Each week, Roger Hearing and I talk to a guest about a topic that is very much in the news that week. It's lively, it's fun, it's informative. What more could you want? So search the Y Curve in your favourite podcast app or go to ycurve.com to listen.